Welcome in. Good to have you. Wednesday afternoon, beautiful day in the Motor City. And we got a lot to do today. And before we get into the UAW strikes, and we'll talk about that a little bit because more people are being laid off. That's coming from the automotive companies. We're going to also talk about potentially what impact Donald Trump's visit with the UAW could do to these negotiations and and could do to not only the negotiations, but then from a political perspective, what influence he could have on Democrats here in the state. We'll talk about that. Also, FEMA rejecting a request for help from the state of Michigan. We'll do that too. But I want to start with the UAW because day six of these strikes are underway. General Motors, Ford Motor Company, Stellantis are are all involved and, and the negotiations are ongoing. And now we've got more than 60 people lay, being laid off at a facility in Toledo, around Toledo. According to a, le- a release by Stellantis spokesperson Jody Tinson, the automaker of the Jeep brand was immediately laying off 68 workers at its machining plant just outside Toledo as a result of the strike at the Wrangler and Gladiator plants in Toledo. Now, Tinson says that the automaker anticipates another 300 layoffs at their Kokomo transmission and casting facilities in Indiana. Roughly, you've got almost 13,000 UAW members on strike currently. And President Sean Fain has said more will be added to that list Friday afternoon, just under 48 hours from now, if there isn't a serious deal in place with the three automakers. The Toledo machining plant in Perrysburg, where almost 70 people were laid off, they've got more than 400 hourly workers there who belong to the UAW. You've got GM's Fairfax assembly plant in Kansas is expected to face downtime as early as today. I haven't seen that they that they are are ramping down production, but that was the expectation from Fairfax, uh, and that's near Wentzville, where this one of the targeted strikes is taking place. And then a Ford Motor Company last week laid off almost 600 people at the Wayne plant, the Bronco and Ranger plant, as a result of these stoppages, saying, "Look, all of our." operations are tied in. They're very interwoven. So it's going to be interesting to see. Also, a Democrat out of Detroit, this isn't something you normally see. She says she will vote against several key elements of a package of bills repealing regulations of abortions. And that puts Governor Gretchen Whitmer's key abortion priorities for this this next session in a, a lot of trouble. Representative Karen Whitsett says she will not support legislation that allows for Medicaid funding for abortions and says she will not support the repeal of a 24-hour waiting period and other regulations treating some abortion clinics as surgical outpatient facilities. Any bills that are bar tied to those regulations will also get a no vote, she says. And here's the key. Right. Here's what she told the Detroit News. I will not vote for to fund Medicaid abortions. That's not going to happen on the 24 hour waiting period. She says, I do not think it is too much to ask when someone's terminating a life, a 24 hour pause to be able to say for sure this is a decision you want to make. 24 hours is not too much. And 
the key here is that all 56 Democratic House members in Lansing are required to approve legislation unless you've got a Republican then who is willing to cross the aisle. Otherwise, they're going to fail. So a, an, an interesting kind of back and forth here with Karen Whitsett and, and her caucus uh, as they try to address this abortion issue. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland taking heated questions today from the House Judiciary about a number of issues, as you would expect. The DOJ's involvement in the Hunter Biden investigation, the Durham report, social justice issues, fentanyl, border security, it's all been covered. And many of the Republican questions surrounding Merrick Garland centered around Hunter Biden and the investigation into Hunter Biden and David Weiss and whether or not the DOJ has say in tax issues, if they are directing of of that department. And Merrick Garland said, well, in certain cases, if there's a special counsel appointed or if there's an investigation ongoing, uh, they would be able to handle all of those issues. So he, he was skirting a lot of a lot of questions. But at the end of the day, Merrick Garland is 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 pretty tight lipped as it pertains to this Hunter Biden investigation and the the department's in uh, alleged involvement one way or the other. Of course, the auto show continues on public days down at Huntington Place, and these vehicles these days. There is so much technology which which requires uh, automation, interconnection, interface solutions. And WJR Senior News Analyst Lloyd Jackson joins us highlighting one of those very important companies in the automotive industry today. Hi, Lloyd. Hey, Chris. Uh, During uh, technology days at the North American International Auto Show, I stopped by the Phoenix Contact booth. Now, Phoenix Contact is a global market leader of connectivity, industrial controls, and automation. Vince Cariotti is Senior Director of E-Mobility Sales and Marketing, and he told me the company is not only celebrating a century in business, but also a decade in e-mobility. Yeah, it's really exciting, Lloyd. You know, 100 years for a company to survive and to be in a privately held company is excellent. Um, And then to spend 10 years in e-mobility, which is really exciting for us this year on the 100th anniversary. Um, And with us being 10 years in e-mobility, we also have been, we had launched e-mobility here in North America in 2017 at the auto show. So it's really exciting to be here now on our 10-year anniversary and, and talk about our movement to uh, bringing manufacturing here to the U.S. To, uh, to accommodate the Build America, Buy America Act. So we're bringing some assembly lines in to accommodate that, and we're going to be building charging cables and connectors into um, in the U.S. and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So really excited about that. And then also uh, it's been exciting that we're able to now establish a subsidiary here, Phoenix Contact E-Mobility Incorporated, which will be headquartered in Ann Arbor, Michigan. During Technology Days at the Auto Show, Cariotti says he spoke to customers about the automotives changing from the CCS Type 1 connector to the NACS connector, which is the Tesla connector, and he also talked to them about fast charging, which he says 
is on the minds of most who are considering the purchase of an EV. So we have a, a system that we work with the EVSE suppliers. Mm -hmm. We supplied the, the, the cable and connectors and the electronics for charging stations, but enabled to charge at you know 500 amps and 1,000 volts enables vehicles to be charged at a very fast rate. So that's some of the things we're demonstrating here at the uh, at the auto show today. And when you say a fast rate, how fast is fast? Say if a battery's at zero, which you really you never want to be at zero, but we can charge a battery from zero to 600 kilometers in about uh, 20 minutes. And I asked Carioti his thoughts on the future of EV charging and the infrastructure to charge EVs. And will it be able to keep up with the ever-changing demand for different types of batteries as more and more EVs begin to hit the road? I do, of course. And of course, everybody has to work on the technology and, and develop the technology as the batteries increase. And, and that's what we're doing as manufacturers to supply the, the automotives is you know working on that research and development to keep up with that trend and increase that trend um, you know, with, with the density of batteries and the the charging times different different uh, different connectors uh, higher voltages higher currents just you know adapting to the systems that the automakers are you know providing in their vehicles for more information on the company's products industries and applications you can go to phoenixcontact.com chris very good stuff lloyd uh, always appreciate it thank you my friend thank you sir all right we'll talk again very soon in the meantime coming up next more plants could be added to this UAW strike. We'll get a national perspective here on JR Afternoon. So the autos are starting to lay people off, which isn't really a surprise. But as we are now in day six of these UAW strikes with the big three, we are anticipating more plants, more targeted facilities to also be struck uh, by, what, noon Friday is the announcement, according to Sean Fain. Gene Wayland is the global business reporter for the Washington Post and joins us. Gene, good to have you. Hello. I, I, I think, you know, obviously here in Detroit, we, we worry about all the UAW workers that are here and the economic impact of it here locally. But when you start kind of looking down the line, these targeted strikes can be really effective because it does, as the automakers put it, uh, really disrupt the interconnectivity of all of their their facilities down the line. Um, what do you anticipate kind of the fallout of these targeted strikes being from from both perspectives? Well, it, for the, you know, it all depends, I guess, how long it, it lasts, right, for the workers. If it dragged on a very long time, uh, most of them are taking a significant pay cut to do this. And so if it dragged on a long time, they could have trouble paying bills and things like that. And they are getting $500 a week out of the union strike fund. And so I guess the gamble for them is, you know, they want to be sure that whatever agreement they get out of this is worth those sacrifices they will be making to their normal wages. Uh, and for the companies, obviously, you know, the longer it goes on, the fewer cars they produce, cars and trucks and vans and everything else, the more market share they could potentially lose to rivals, uh, the slower they will be to ramp up their production of electric vehicles. They're still trying to ramp that up so that they can make those profitably so far they're, they're uh, making a loss on all of their EVs. Um, 
so it's, you know, a lot of that stake for everyone, a lot of that stake for the economy. It drags out a long time. It means people in these communities will be going out less, spending less. So, um, yeah, there's a lot at stake for everyone. For, from an economics perspective, not even just nationally, but, but on, a global, on a global scale, what type of impact is this going to have for these automakers that are providing vehicles to 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 countries all across the world? If this if this production stops, if it comes to a halt, if they're not able to pump out the vehicles that they were. I mean, we've already seen a surge in in vehicle prices over the last decade. And I, I think it would be reasonable to assume that the companies uh, are going to inevitably pass this this on to the consumer, what does that do from from the the economic view from the from the uh, kind of a, a much bigger scale around the world? Well, it's not actually a given that car prices will go up more because of this, right? I, it, that again depends on how long it lasts. If it if it lasts a few weeks, probably not. If it lasts more than that, then we can probably expect to see some price increases on the vehicles that are not being produced, um, particularly the ones that are already very popular in, and in a bit of a short supply even before the strike started. So things like uh, General Motors' uh, Yukon and Tahoe SUVs, you can see prices creep up on those. The, the thing is, though, a lot of the car market out there is made by non-unionized workers in the U.S. All of the Toyotas and Hondas and Teslas and Nissans and Volkswagens are all made by people who are not striking. So the supply of those cars is not going to change. And we've already had, a, as you noted, a huge run-up in car prices already for various reasons before the strike began. And so automakers don't really have a lot more room to raise prices more because consumers are already saying we can't afford these vehicles. So that's a long way of saying I don't expect to see a very broad spike in car prices out of this unless, I don't know, it drags on for six months or something, and then and then it's harder to predict. You know, a, a, a number of years ago, the UAW – had a 40 day strike on general motors. Um, You know, Sean Fain has been very bullish on, on these priorities. And when you have a 97% uh, uh, vote from the rank and file to, to issue the strike, if it was necessary, I mean, that's your entire union that are backing this. And so I, I think it gave Sean Fain kind of carte blanche to, to do as he sees fit to get as many of these priorities agreed to by the automakers as possible. Where, where do you see the concessions? Because I, I don't believe that the big three are going to pay a 40-hour employee for 32 hours of work. Or I, I don't think you're going to get a 46% pay increase. Maybe you address tiers. COLA could come back. All of those things, pensions issues, all of that. I could see their concessions made, but but where where are the the the, the kind of the hard line nose in your mind from the automakers' perspective that they're just not going to budge on? Yeah, I mean we know that a four day work week is a definite no. We know that the return of defined benefit pensions um, is also a hard no from the automakers. Or at least they've said so, right? Um, those are those are the two that I've heard that they are not even willing to entertain. They've given ground on on several of the other issues, and I think maybe there's a bit more wiggle room on wages and cost of living protections. Is my sense? Um, 
perhaps a little more wiggle room on collapsing some of the wage tiers, the different pay scales that different workers are on. That seems like probably the areas that will be most fruitful for any more compromise. But, um, you know, the automaker perspective, I suppose, is we've already given quite a lot in these proposals and we don't have room for a lot more. And the UAW is saying this isn't enough. So it's in some ways they remain far apart. But we'll see. What, what's your, your reading on how long this thing could go out? I really don't know. I yeah. wish I could say, but, you know, there are some guesses that will be over by Halloween, maybe even before then. It's extremely hard for me to say. I don't want to get into predicting. Well, I, and I, I, I'm with you. I, 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 that was also my deadline. If they could get this done before Halloween, and I've had a couple of people look at me cross-eyed, but, I, I mean, again, when you've got the rank and file behind this, when you've got people supporting this, and, and again, I think when you go back to, to the recession, and they made serious concessions, the UAW did, to to help out these automakers to ensure that they had uh, you know, paying jobs in the future, and and they did make concessions, and they're being paid at the same rate as they were a decade ago. I, I understand some of the the arguments that they're making, but I, I'm with you. I my hope is that they get this done in the next you know in the next month. Uh, I think that would make a, a lot of sense. Do you anticipate that the unions in it for the long haul, just by the way that they've structured these strikes? It would certainly um, you know put out quite a stern position on this. They say they're in it for the long haul. They say they will ratchet up tension over time. They do have a finite amount of money in their strike fund, which, you know, would last at the longest if everyone went on strike, all UAW workers, about three months. So I suppose with the existing strike fund, three months is probably about the max that they can keep going. But they're not even close to having everyone on strike yet, so... What's your perspective on Sean Fain? Because, you know, he is he has broken a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, the, the rules of these negotiations in the past. And, and the UAW has had a, a huge problem with transparency. And Sean Fain holds several, you know, Facebook live updates for the rank and file. And, and there is a I think there is a, a sense of more transparency on top of the UAW. But his rhetoric has been pretty inflammatory. And, and I just wonder from your seat, do you think that has impacted these negotiations or will impact them as they go forward? You know, I think the main change with him is, yes, he's asking for a lot. He's asking for it in very blunt and confrontational terms and very publicly. You know, it's it's possible that UAW leaders have been this confrontational behind closed doors before. I, I just don't know. Um, my sense is probably, probably they haven't been quite this confrontational, you know, saying himself accuses past leadership of being too complacent and too cozy with industry. But the main difference with Fain is he's saying this all very publicly. He's saying it on Facebook Live. He's letting the world know what he's asking for. He's letting his members know every other day on a live stream how negotiations are going. He's holding rallies. He just joined Twitter yesterday to start tweeting. So he's a, he's a much more public face of these talks. And, and yes, a, a fairly... Uh, confrontational one yeah uh gene whalen thank you so much appreciate your insight in this and um and we we'll hope to talk to you down the road thanks very much yeah you got it. have a good one 800-859-0957 800-859-0wjr I, I i think it's important that we give you this kind of other perspective right here locally in in our nutshell 
it's easy for us to talk about the UAW and the impact of it locally, but from a national perspective, you just had I, I, the idea that this thing could go weeks and weeks and weeks is is troublesome. And does the UAW, does the rank and file, do they have the ability, the financial ability to to continue to push down this road? 800-859-0957. Get to more of your calls. Text coming up next. Can I uh, just one other thing here? What What is the matter with people? Why, why are people so angry? Like this dude who got punched and then died at the Patriots game. We, we talked a little bit about it at the tail end of the show yesterday with Ken Brown. I, I, I just, what, what is it with these people? And, and, and whether you're at a game, whatever, I just do not understand. I don't get it. You're going to watch a game. This is entertainment. You're not, I, like, you, this isn't fight night at the UFC. Why? Why? What is the matter with people? It's a Do very you have question. an answer? I wish I had oh an answer. Oh, my God. I see God. it all the time, though. And I, I, I had a couple of run-ins a week or so ago. I talked to you about this off the air, and it's like, do I just appear to be a doddering old man that people can just scream at and I will take it? Because why people are people yelling? Go off about nothing. And oh it's my like, God. I, I don't understand. But yeah, to punch somebody, kill them at over a football game. That's now it <laughs> sounds like this dude had other health issues, but but that's true. You but got you punched somebody you punching and somebody they died. Over a football game. No, I Even just if they don't die. Why are you punching somebody? But look, you go to Philly, those people are absolute animals. You go out to to whatever wherever the Raiders are at now in Vegas, just animals. People are out of their minds, and it seems like it's worse. It's since worse. the pandemic. People are more self centered. Yeah. Nobody wants to wait. Everybody wants to scream. I want to scream at you, but you should take it, and that's how it works. And if you scream back, then it escalates quickly because nobody wants to walk away. It just takes one drunk idiot, yes, to start running their mouth, and then all of a sudden you've got a thing. You've got to fight. You've got, like, I just... And sometimes they don't have to be drunk. They just have to be the idiot. Well, true. (laughs) True. Oftentimes they've got a little liquid courage in them. Yes. To act a little dumber. But I just, uh, I I just, I don't get it. I don't, I do not get it. I would never pay, like, you know, hundreds of dollars to go see a sporting event to then get into a fight. I just, I don't know. No, if you want me to get there, there is some sort of angry. societal issue at play here, and I, I just don't, I don't get why people are so angry. But and it's everywhere. It's oh no, there's no doubt. Yeah, it's no, everywhere. Yeah, there, there are no uh, boundaries here. All right, eight hundred eight five nine zero nine. I'm sorry. I just, I was uh, Fox News was on. They were talking about it, and it just got me angry again. Um, we're talking about the UAW. I, I just don't know. Like, let's just say. Because I, I kind of put the same timeline on it. I kind of thought, geez, if they get this done by October 31st, I would be pretty happy or I'd be pretty surprised by that. And Gene Whalen with the Washington Post saying the same thing. But there's no real, we have no real indication. I mean, these, these conversations are being pretty, pretty, kept pretty under wraps. So I don't really anticipate anybody having real knowledge of these conversations and these negotiations, but it just doesn't feel like Sean Fain is going to budge. 
yeah, fine, you can take away the 32-hour work week for 40 hours of pay, but but everything else we need. And I just, I don't see with the willingness of the rank and file, Sean Fain just willing to, to bow down to a lesser deal or what they would, what the rank and file would perceive to be a lesser deal after the rhetoric, after throwing, you know, counter offers in the garbage live on Facebook or, you know, I, I just, I don't see it. So I'd love to hear from you. 800-859-0957. Vince is in Northville, kicks us off. What's up, Vince? Hey, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good, bud. What can I do for you? All right. Well, here you go. Um, I understand what the UAW is talking about. I don't know if you fully understand what the contract negotiations are. I've actually studied this with some UAW workers that I'm involved with, okay? Mm -hmm. Sean Fain right now is leading his people off of a cliff, okay? You're you're talking a 42 or 43% pay increase and cost of living. Sean, you and everybody in that in that newsroom right now, you guys aren't even getting a cost of living. I'm not getting a cost of living, okay? It's not fiscally able to do that right now, okay, for where we're at right now. Sean needs to go ahead and take the 20%, live to fight another day, okay? I think they have a contract negotiation, what, every two and four years? How about doing the 20% now, the other 20% in four years, and returning them back to their original pension? Now, I don't know if you understand what the pension was, but if you retire from Ford or the big three or for Ford at like 55, you get like 45 or $5,000 a month pension for any time that you've got in. But once you hit Social Security age, your pension from Ford gets cut in half, and the Social Security, which you've already paid into, picks up. I think that's wrong. If you are getting a pension for 5000 you need to keep that pension and add to the Social Security when you hit 62 or 65 to like seven grand a month. That's fair. But the UAW cut a deal with the Social Security people that when people got to like 55, got to like 60-some-odd years old, they lost half their pension, and then Social Security picked it up and balanced it out. I think that's wrong. Here's what I think, Vince. I don't, I don't think, even, let, let's just hypothetically say, right, Sean Fain's looking out for numero uno, right? He comes, he talks a big game, he is, is leading the charge. If Sean Fain takes a 20% increase after asking for 46, some may think, well, that's a that's a legitimate meet-in-the-middle offer. I don't think Sean Fain can take that offer. I don't think that that the rank and file, based on what he has laid out, based on his plan of attack, I don't think that they could take that offer. Now, Ford has come in somewhere around that, and I think when you when you include everything. You're talking about a 30% pay increase. And Vince, I appreciate the call. I just don't believe that Sean Fain has the ability at this point to take that kind of an offer. I don't know that he does. Because then what happens is his job's on the line. Then when an election comes back around, I don't I don't know that you can overpromise and underdeliver. And I think that's kind of what it would be at that point. I think that would be Sean Fain over-promising and under-delivering. Now, he hasn't hasn't promised anything, but he's leading the charge on a much bigger number than 20. So, look, I think the union deserves, they deserve more than where they're at, okay? I, I believe that. 
I believe when you look at the numbers, the concessions they made around the great uh, around around the recession, um, that was impactful, and it helped the automakers. And now, you know, they're essentially making the same rate that they were in 2011 in 2023. You know, over a decade later, that's not right. So I think there should be some concessions made. But when you're asking for all of this up front, that's a big chunk of the pie. That's not a slice. That's a that's a that's almost half the the pie. So I just I I I think that taking it in smaller steps is more impactful. But I don't know that Sean Fain could take that offer. Dave's in Rochester. What's up, Dave? Hey, Chris. Hey. Uh, real quick point. Sean Fenn, I think, has no intention of getting a stupid defined pensions, uh, defined benefit pensions back again. No one does, okay? But he will get COLA, I believe. That makes perfectly sense. The same with Social Security and many other people get COLA. It makes perfect sense. It's just a trailing element. It's not an institutionalized thing to, to make, make sure it happens. It's just to get what you deserve. The other thing that the uh, – Well, it's, it's, in, it's, what, only, it's what the union feels like they deserve. Right. Not only did he ta- he tapped into what's going on in automobiles, he tapped into what's going on in the country by and large over the last fifty five years since nineteen sixty eight. Lower middle class, the young people particularly, guess what? They are not getting their share. And there's two elements. Obviously, a simple straight cola, cost of living. Of course, you got to get inflation, but productivity. Okay. And you could argue productivity is a false figure because you could just automate everything. And then one person comes into work and they get credit for all the output worth divided into their 40 hours of weekly work. But guess what? They should share in the general wealth that everyone shares in our GDP, real GDP, growth, productivity, everything. If you take just productivity and inflation, the dollar sixty, February 1968, minimum wage, $1.60 is 28.33. If you use the conservative inflation, the, the better inflation number, it's 2833. And that's just two factors. For, this is for the whole country. Okay, guess what? All right, Dave, what's your point? Where, where are you going? The, he's going to win because he's got the public. It's a perfect timing, unlike the actors, unlike the actors out in California with what's going on. He's tapped in to the sentiment of the public. Okay. All right, and, Dave. And, I, well, and, I, I, Dave, I'm up against it. I got to take a break. I appreciate those thoughts. I, I do agree with you on a lot of that. Um, I, I think that's where Sean Fain is going to be successful. We'll, we'll obviously keep an eye on it. Meanwhile, Donald Trump set to visit with some UAW members. What does that mean politically for those here in the state of Michigan? We'll do that next on JR Afternoon. So one of the reasons that Joe Biden won in 2020 was this support from unions. And it's not a surprise that union leadership would endorse a Democrat for president. But how does that change with this UAW strike? And even looking forward, I mean, the the president has sent a couple negotiators in from the administration to help with these talks. But, I mean, the president was very blasé about the strike a couple weeks ago when the negotiations were, were, you know, kind of starting in earnest. And the president said, you know, wake me up when uh, they strike. I'm not worried about a strike until it happens. Well, now it's here and we're in day six. And now you've got Donald Trump coming in to talk to UAW members who I I imagine a pretty large swath of UAW members probably 
supported Donald Trump at one time and maybe are willing to support him again. But how does that impact the politics of this? How does that impact, you know, Joe Biden hasn't, isn't coming in to talk with UAW members. You know, this is a really big deal. Donald Trump is, is using this as an opportunity as a springboard. What does this mean for Democrat support here in the state of Michigan? Bernie Porns, the pollster at Epic MRA, and joins us. Bernie, good to have you. Glad to be with you, Chris. How does, how does, well, let's start with Donald Trump first. Donald Trump coming in to meet with a couple of UAW members. What is that, what does that impact? How does that impact not only the support amongst union members to Donald Trump, but, but how does, is him coming in impacting these talks at all? I don't know about the impact on talks, but uh, uh, I think his message has been uh, for the last several weeks that uh, electric vehicles uh, uh, should not uh, uh, be the uh, uh, prime all and end all uh, uh, for uh, the auto industry, and he is warning against uh, uh, building uh, electric vehicles exclusively because he claims that all the jobs are going to go to China. And I think he's taking a very extreme position. However, it is, I think, uh, getting a response from union members in our August survey in the matchup between Trump and Biden among union members. Now, this is all union members, not just UAW members, so it may be worse in terms of uh, uh, the uh, matchup uh, among just UAW members. But 46% of union members said they were going to vote for Donald Trump. 43% said they were going to vote for uh, Joe Biden. Mm. Among those who said someone else in the household as a union member, why Biden wins among or leads among that group, 49 to 42%. And I thought, what on earth is causing this? And uh, I immediately thought, well, the electric vehicle uh, issue, because uh, Biden has made it clear that he wants to uh, have uh, ultimately nothing but electric vehicles. And obviously that is something where UAW members, union members are concerned because uh, you don't need, require as many union members uh, or as many workers to build an electric vehicle mm-hmm. as you do to build a gas-powered vehicle. So I, I immediately thought that this is probably an issue, and sure enough, that's what Donald Trump is talking about. So I think it is not surprising to me that he is uh, coming to talk to uh, UAW members uh, and probably touting that message. And I think that uh, what uh, the Biden administration and the Biden campaign needs to do is uh, talk about uh, transitioning to uh, electric vehicles in a way that uh, uh, if there is a plan to not impact in a negative way uh, union members and car workers uh, in terms of job losses, uh, what is that plan and how will it work and what will the transition be? Well, uh, Bernie, you bring, up a great, think- you bring up a great point because the, the, the rank and file of the UAW, and let's focus just on the UAW. I know your was more, yours was more broad. Uh, amongst all union members, but but the UAW, they're essentially split on this switch to EV. Like, no, there there is no wide consensus that that they're excited about going EV or not, because I think the fear down the road is that there will be less union jobs, as you mentioned, because there's gonna it's gonna take less people to build these vehicles. So how does how it, it, do you view this as an opportunistic approach by Donald Trump to to try to? to target these talks as a way to try to get more support amongst the union? Or do you feel like the union uh, almost is looking for somebody to come out and, and talk to them about this issue? Because I think those are kind of different things. 
Well, obviously there is a there is a, uh, a divide, and uh, and it makes sense that it is the EV issue. And I'm just saying that uh, uh, in order to avoid uh, losses, which we are already seeing in the in the polling, uh, that uh, uh, the the Biden campaign and Democrats need to talk about transitioning. And with battery plants being built in Michigan, uh, it uh, would seem that it is an extreme position to say all the jobs are going to go to China if uh, we go to EVs. Uh, now, uh, that seems to be very extreme because uh, if we're building uh, plants, maybe many of the jobs will be in building batteries, which we have plants uh, that uh, are being planned. And maybe uh, the idea is to build many more cars and sell more cars also internationally so that uh, America is taking a greater uh, uh, position in competition with other countries. Uh, they need to explain that uh, to the extent that it can be explained, because if not, uh, this could be a, a critical issue uh, in terms of the 2024 election. Do you think Donald Trump is going to be able to even attract more voters, more union voters from his trip? Possibly. It depends how uh, uh, Biden reacts to it. And uh, again, uh, I think that the, the Biden campaign and administration needs to uh, uh, deal with the issue of transitioning and try to assure union members that the idea is not to, you, to lose uh, union member jobs. He talks continuously about uh, increasing uh, uh, union membership and, in, and providing greater pay and benefits for union members. Uh, uh, but this divide on uh, electric vehicles is something that uh, uh, he needs to deal with in messaging. And Donald Trump has already figured out a way to try and uh, uh, capture some union voters uh, by talking about EVs. He is, I think he's taken a, 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 a more extreme position than what is realistic, but uh, I think it's having an impact. I got about a minute left here. What do you think the trickle down is for Democrats in this state? If the the longer these 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 negotiations go on, the longer uh, we don't have a deal and Donald Trump maybe is capitalizing. What's the trickle down for Democrats in the state? It is entirely possible that there, there will be a, a diminished level of support uh, uh, for not only the president, but also uh, Democrats at lower level. Uh, uh, they, they, they need to address this issue. Mm. Interesting stuff. Bernie Porn, always good to talk with you, my friend. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes. You're very, very welcome. Take care, Chris. We'll talk again soon. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. We've got 3 o'clock hour coming up next. Um, it, a couple of interesting things that we're going to talk about. Um, there was some flooding in the UP this year. We had Michigan representatives reach out to FEMA for support. Didn't get any. We'll talk about what that means, not only for the restoration efforts, but then where this money's coming from. And and if FEMA will be able to change their mind down the road. Also, we talked a little bit as we continue to talk about unions and the strikes. I have a question for you about the strikes out in California amongst the writers and, and the actors, SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild of America. Because a lot of this fight is centered around AI. And I have a question for you about whether or not you care who writes your television shows. We'll do that next on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. Good to have you. 
Obviously, the UAW talks a big deal on the day. Uh, and I want to get to a couple of callers here, 800-859-0957, as we start the 3 o'clock hour. Chris in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Good. I had to say that, I, you know, I was prompted to call in when I heard your last guest on there talking about, well, there'll be more opportunities for Detroit automakers to sell internationally. What a joke. How does this guy not know? about value-added taxes and that, that uh, Grand Cherokee that's worth $72,000 here sells for $107,000 in Europe. The irony is we are actually the low-cost producers, far more low-cost than Italy Correct. or or France or anywhere else. Yep, anywhere in Europe, we're losing, really. we're losing factories to Europe because there are so many tariffs put on American-made products that it becomes cheaper to build them in Europe. But we don't put any tariffs on them, so ship all the cars from Italy and Germany and France over here that you want. What a crock! So what? What do you, you make? Know, what, what do you make of these negotiations, then, Chris? Well, I make the fact that our UAW should be, and I'm a UAW member. Okay, should be bringing that issue to the forefront. It's something that Donald Trump brought to the forefront, and it's just absolutely absent from the conversation. There's truth to what there's what's being said about the electric vehicle mandates as well. Mm-hmm. They definitely will employ fewer people. There's definitely not seeing the demand for it. The cars are stagnating. There's been tons of stories about that. But that's a rather separate problem. You know, we're the only country in the world that mandates what their company should produce with these stupid cafe standards from Jimmy Carter's time. We're the only ones that does that. It's like mandating that McDonald's sells broccoli, and then they just throw it away at the end of the day. They don't make any money on it. Well, then what do you make of Donald Trump coming in to talk with UAW members? Do you think that's that's valuable? Do you think it's opportunistic? What do you make of it? Absolutely. Would you like to see Joe Joe Biden come in and talk? Would you like to see the president come in and, and talk to UAW members? I love to see him. I love to see Joe Biden come in and take a few questions like the ones I just rattled off. That should be fun. <laughs> Fair enough, Chris. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, I hope uh, I hope all goes well for you here in the next coming weeks. Uh, Robert in Sterling Heights. Hey, Robert. Hey, Chris. You know, Chris nailed it. He, he did. <clears throat> these are these electric vehicles are not being pushed by the marketplace or the company is being pushed by the government and Trump sees a way to get in there and have a wedge between the UAW and the administration is going to take advantage of it. And he's absolutely right. I mean, if, if the company thought it was a good thing to do in the future, 10, 15 years down the road, mm-hmm. and they invested money into sure. it, that's up to them then. That's up to them. But they're being pushed into it forcefully by, by the government, like you know, we know is, is going on right now. You, be, you should be able to be held accountable for your own decisions, not other people's decisions. Okay, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Hey, Robert, thank you. I appreciate it. Look, it's the same thing that we talked about yesterday. We, we talked to that uh, a Bollinger Automotive uh, out of Royal Oak, the EV maker. And and he said, look, we, we've got companies or, or municipalities or businesses that want to buy these EV, these EV delivery trucks, essentially, because there's a $40,000 tax incentive per truck to do it. And so, yeah, that's that. That's not only are is the federal government creating uh, a pathway for electric uh, the electrification of vehicles, 
but they're pushing different tax uh, uh, write-offs and abilities to get these vehicles for cheaper. And so I had somebody call in and said, well, who's doing that? Who's, who's creating their business model around that? And, and my answer is any business worth the salt. If they, can, if they can find a way to get things cheaper, whether it's your dime or somebody else's, they're going to take advantage. Carl's in Dundee. Hey, Carl. Yes, how you doing? Hey. So my, my concern is that throughout this uh, strike negotiations, that how come nothing has been mentioned about either side as far as the corruption in the UAW and the company in the last, I'd say, three last contracts. Mm -hmm. General Holyfield, uh, the FBI investigated them for corruption. Mm -hmm. That's not being mentioned. So the the UAW can't mention that because they were part of it. But the company can't mention that. They were part of it also. So how come we don't hear nothing about that? Well, look, I, 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 here's what I, here's what I'll say about that. And, and Carl, I appreciate the call. I, I think, I think there is a different level of transparency with Sean Fain. Sean Fain yeah. is, is being very vocal and open about, about the, the current status of these negotiations. Um, I think to a certain extent, Ray Curry was was more transparent than the administrations before them. But when the feds were investigating the UAW, they did root out a lot of that. And I think Sean Fain at this point has been the most um, the most transparent UAW president that we've seen in a very long time. Uh, meanwhile, the union representing the Canadian auto workers has reached a tentative new labor deal with Ford Motor Company. This agreement averts a potential strike by Unifor, against Ford, which was the single strike target up north in Canada. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne reports some consider this news as pretty a pretty good sign that the UAW can continue their work stoppage affecting Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis. She joins us with an update. Hi, Marie. Hi, Chris. Yeah, it used to be that when we would hear the Canadian side had settled uh, their differences, that that might have shed some good vibes on talks across the border here in the States. That may not be true this time through. Right now, we don't have any details on that Unifor deal with Ford. The leadership uh, of the union says they'll present it, uh, all the details to the uh, rank and file, and they'll vote sometime in the very near future. Now, there are reports today that UAW Local 412 uh, has organized a picket at the Chrysler Tech Center. It's supposed to go on this afternoon. That's in Auburn Hills. Currently, the UAW, of course, striking one assembly plant for each of the Detroit uh, automakers, uh, one in Michigan, one in Ohio, and one in Missouri. And UAW President Sean Fain put the big three on notice that they would grow the strike, grow it to additional locations if negotiations didn't see what they're calling substantial progress by noon on Friday. We're talking about this Friday. Now, the auto companies have not directly commented on that potential action. GM released a statement saying that they're continuing to bargain in good faith. They want to reach an agreement as soon as possible at Ford. A spokesperson there just said negotiations were continuing. No details given. Very few details are coming out, by the way, on the talks. The Biden administration seems to have walked back on a plan to send the acting labor secretary and a senior advisor to Detroit to meet with both sides. 
They said instead they're going to stay in Washington and monitor what's going on here. Chris, as you know, ripple effects are starting to show now. U.S. Steel says it plans to idle a blast furnace in Illinois, which would idle about 300 workers there. And uh, they say that they're calling this a risk mitigation move. And as you know, Nucor warned that it may lay off about 300 people here. German-based uh, supplier ZF said that it has already had to lay off some workers at various sites, including here in Michigan. We are only going to see more of that as the days go on. Certainly. And we saw even uh, Stellantis taking action down in the Toledo area. And, and I think you're exactly right. We're going to see more of it uh, as the strike continues, uh, hopefully not in the too distant future. Marie Osborne, thank you. Thank you. Got to take a break. We're talking FEMA rejecting aid to us in Michigan as it pertains to flooding in the UP. Also, an interesting question about AI and Hollywood. We'll do that next on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. 800-859-0957. You want to hit the UAW stuff? We'll continue to take your calls. Look, this is the biggest story in our area. Like, of all of these issues that we've talked about, the UAW strike is still the underlying massive story. And now you've got Donald Trump that's going to talk with some UAW members. And I'm just curious what your thoughts on that are and and, and what the political ramifications are. Because do you, do you get more union representatives and, and members, the rank and file, that are willing to hop over? Or those that maybe supported him strengthening their support? Or if you didn't vote for him the first time, would you consider it again? Just this, just based on his willingness to get involved here. And no, he's not at the negotiating table, but he's at least taking an interest, which is more than what I think I can say for Joe Biden. Who, as I paraphrase, Joe Biden said, uh, wake me up when you go-go. Like, th- this guy is like, I'm not worried about a strike until it happens. Well, Mr. President, it's here. So we will we will continue to field your calls on that. I do have a question about another union, two unions. The Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA in, in Hollywood. Now, look, whether you like these actors and actresses or you think, whatever it is, you watch TV, okay? You watch television shows. Maybe you watch reality shows like Danielle. She's a sicko. Whatever it is, you you... You are involved here. You you watch TV. The big question with these unions, and, and one of their major concerns centers around artificial intelligence. And the idea that you could have artificial intelligence write scripts, or you could have artificial intelligence continue on with shows, or reproducing the same background actors and actresses over and over. So you'd really only need about a dozen people that would be backgrounds in every single movie or television show created going forward. So you're eliminating writers. You're eliminating a huge chunk of, of actors and actresses. I, I, here's my question. 800-859-0957. With all of the abilities of AI, and all of the, the 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 advancements we've seen in that field and are likely to get better and better. 
do you care whether or not AI writes a script and it goes to, to film and you get to watch it that way? Or do you feel like it's more beneficial? It's more personal. People are able to understand things better. And having that human element writing a script for a show is more important to you. Because I think that at some point, AI is going to get so good and it's going to be able to write things so well that you could probably, if you didn't like the last season of Game of Thrones, uh, just have AI rewrite it and we'll do it again. Like, it's going to be something that gets so good. So I'm interested to know if you even care. Because I don't really care. I mean, I understand people are going to be out of business or, or, or out of work, and it's going to be... I, I don't know that I really care because I just want to see the finished product. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. In the meantime, a couple of state lawmakers condemn the Federal Emergency Management Agency for rejecting a, a proposal to help fix damage in the U.P., from floods in April and May. Representative Greg Markinen from the 11th District joins us. Uh, Representative, it's good to have you. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's the 110th District. Oh, excuse me, the 110th District. Now, here's my here's my question. How much damage was done in these areas? I mean, you're talking millions of dollars, right? Up in the Mar- Marquette yeah, uh- and Houghton area? Right, Marquette, or I know in Houghton County, there's about $8 million worth of damage. Oh, and and so what yeah. was the request to FEMA? The request to FEMA was $8 million. Uh, the governor, that was that was rejected. And then, you know, the governor came up to Marquette, not up to Marquette, Nagani, to, to the Michigan uh, State Police Post and, you know, did a presentation asking, saying that, She's going to ask for an emergency declaration. And so we were all very hopeful because, you know, this was early in the summer. And, you know, the road commissions needed that funding to get roads repaired. I mean, we're, we're still repairing damage from the Father's Day flood in 2018. Mm. And now we get hit again. So what, what kind of damage did you sustain up in your district in, in the, the Houghton, Keweenaw, uh, you know, th- that whole area? What, what, what kind of damage did you get? There was a lot of uh, flooding, a lot of culverts destroyed, a lot of pavement uh, that was, you know, washed away. Uh, you know, and you know, a lot of this was from the Father's Day flood in '18, and so, you know, the road commissions wanted to get on that. You know, the cost of uh, repair and materials is going up and up and up, and now, you know, a lot of this damage is, you know, they fixed what they could with the 550,000 that the governor gave them. Uh, but that's only a drop in the bucket. Mm. You know, Marquette County has got some damage. Uh, Berger County, uh, Gogibic County, all the way over to Ironwood. And so, you know, we're really need, we really need this funding to get our roads back. I mean, we have tourist season. We get thousands of visitors up there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, really an issue of public safety. So where do you go from here? Well, we are repealing it or, you know, the MSP, uh, Emergency manager out of Newberry is appealing it. Uh, we're hoping and praying that uh, this, that'll come through and they'll reconsider. Uh, I guess only time will tell. But 
you know, a lot of the work, if we don't hear from them real quick, uh, a lot of work will have to wait until next spring. And hopefully we don't have problems with the roads. You know, if we get a heavy snowfall, uh, it could cause even more damage. Mm. All right, well, keep us up to date on this, because obviously you're talking about millions of dollars in needed aid and FEMA not coming through. Representative Greg Markin, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, you got it. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. We're talking about AI. We're talking about these strikes out in Hollywood. Whether you think these unions should hold out, because AI is at the heart of this, really. And it is wages, it is other things, but certainly the willingness of these these studios and these executives to utilize the technology to create new programs or to continue on with programs and, and the, the willingness of these studios to, to use a handful of, of extras in, in everything going forward because of, of the AI technology. Where are you at on this? Because everybody watches TV, everybody watches movies. I, I just, I, I'm curious to know if you think that the studio should hold out and they should negotiate with these unions or they should just move on and start getting back to business using AI. Roger is in St. Clair. Hey, Roger. Hi there, Chris. Hey. Uh, yeah, I got a comment, and it's about you, basically. Hmm. Okay. And I don't, I don't mean to offend you, but, you know, you said, you don't really care. I, I don't really care. So you on your program. Uh-huh. You said, I don't really care about anything you said. And, it, and if you don't care. Th- that's what I what, said? Why are you, yeah, that's what you said. And what, what did I, Roger, that? what did I say that about? I'm just going to quiz you because I know what I'm talking about. about. What did I say that about? About artificial intelligence. Said you don't really care. Is that what I said? How it goes. But, but, yeah, you said it's, it's here with us. You bought you bought into it just like you did COVID and the vaccines. Ooh. and you, you're saying, yeah, that's right. You didn't like that punch. Take right? me to church, yeah. Roger. Take me. Yeah. yeah, but the point is, you need to care. That's what you need to do. This is your world, Chris. You're a lot younger than me, and you need to care. All right, thank you, Roger. Is that good? What else can I do for you? You're good? You can't do anything for me, pal. All right, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Roger. Roger, what I did say, let, let me just let me just take you back a little bit in time. And by the way, if you do want to go listen to our podcast, thegreatvoice.com, I did say that I don't really care if these studios use AI to build our, our television shows, our movies. Get back to work. Let's do this thing. I got things to watch. I don't really care. No, AI terrifies me. I actually care a lot about AI, but I do want to watch TV or movies, and let's get back to work here. Thanks, Roger. Appreciate the call. Got to take a break. All right, welcome back. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Brian, we got a couple of texts. We'll go back, get back to the phone calls. We do. We got one from the 586, Chris. <laughs> it says, hey, Renwick, I like how Roger, and this is what they said. This is not me. I like how Roger the Redneck said you were conned with the vaccine. Oh, come on. We don't need a name call. I know. I just got my booster yesterday. I also live in Roger's town. A lot of nuts out there. Hey, all right. <laughs> so Jeez, he says, Pete. don't take it personal. You have the best show on the station. No, look, I, well, that's very kind. I, <laughs> I, look, Roger, I don't know what happened. Roger was very upset today. I was his... I was his sounding board. That's okay. I think he was mad because you said you didn't care if AI 
took took yeah. wrote scripts. He said he took it as you don't care about AI. Yeah, that's which okay. Which we know is not true. That's okay. That's all right. And Roger having a bad day. That's all right. Let him, he can have a bad day. And it's this okay. one I think is the best one of the day. Uh, it just says if Trump is visiting the union picketers, they should hide the donuts. Oh my goodness. <laughs> The it's texters a, are out a, of hand today. It's a, it's a rough Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we got to get to Saturday as quick as possible. People definitely need to take uh, a breath. All right. All right. Well, look, it's a big deal that Donald Trump's getting involved here. No, he's not sitting down at the negotiating table, but he's coming to talk to people, which is more than what he can, what Joe Biden can, can say. And he does like donuts. Who doesn't? <laughs> Does, is that a thing? I missed that. Does Donald Trump like donuts? I don't know. <laughs> All right. I mean, like you said, I, who I, doesn't? I love donuts. They're great. You might have to hide them from me if I come. Me I'm just too. saying. It's great. I don't know. I, I think it. I think it does help Donald Trump. I think it. I think he's seizing on an opportunity. And if and if there is anything that Donald Trump does really well, he seizes on opportunities. And there is a huge faction of union members across the board, not even just in the UAW, that do support Donald Trump. And and maybe this gets a few more people on his side. 800-859-0957. Daryl is in Belleville. What's up, Daryl? Well, I think these guys over at uh, the old Chrysler, let's call Stellantis Chrysler for this conversation. Okay. I think they ought to just, I think they ought to just be thrilled to have a job. Because I don't think the Solanus, I don't think they really wanted that company. They got it for nothing, didn't they? I mean, it was, yes, the, the Chrysler and that umbrella has, has been through the ringer a little bit, yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, what's the problem? They could just, oh, them people at Solanus could just say, the hell with this. We're shutting down our American operations. We don't need this. We got Mopar. We got Ram. We got Jeep. We got more than we paid for already. We're done. Goodbye. Well, they could do it tomorrow. They could do that tomorrow, Chris. Well, see, Daryl, you bring up an interesting point. I talked about this. When was it? That last Friday when when the strike happened. Here's the unfortunate and the uncomfortable truth. Right now, I, I want to get your reaction to this. The uncomfortable truth is that it is 2023. These automakers, as much as we love them, they are ours. They are in our backyard. And and many, many of their workforce is supplied by by us in Metro Detroit. Here's the unfortunate truth, though, is that it's 2023. They don't really have any allegiances to this area. They don't really need to stay here. They could go anywhere else and find cheaper labor, find a cheaper workforce and build these cars somewhere else. Like, wasn't it Ford around the time Donald Trump was running that said that they were considering moving a Ford plant to to Mexico? I I mean, that was then. It's 2023. They're running a business, okay? And the unfortunate truth is that they can go anywhere they want. And so this is where I think if you're the union, you got to be very careful with how you play your hand. Now, yes, I do believe the union has has some of the upper hand. But when the cards are on the table and you get a good deal, and I think some of these deals that have been put forward already have been good deals by Ford and General Motors, namely. 
But I think that's where the union has to be very careful. 800-859-0957. And I'm not advocating for that. I don't even think it's really going to happen. But you don't think that there's a contingency plan in place that these companies and 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 their, their responsibility, you don't think that that's been talked about? I, I, I have to think that that it has been talked about. And there's contingencies in every company. So I, I, I think that I think that all of those issues have been talked about. Uh, Daryl, what do you make of that? Well, I think you're right, but I think so there's I, less I allegiance with Chrysler. Ford and GM based here, they got a lot a lot of their operations here. I think Stellantis could just pull it right up tomorrow. No big deal. All right, Daryl, I appreciate it. Thank you. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. Stevens in Ann Arbor. Hey, Stephen. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. Great, great show. Great questions. Um, I just can't imagine, in regards to Trump coming to speak to uh, the union workers, I can't imagine what a man who represents the Republican Party who uh, passed and made this state a right-to-work state, which mm-hmm. was an attempt to destroy the unions. can't imagine what he'd have to say to Well, it was uh, a way to make Michigan union. more competitive in the business market. Yeah, well, we're – this is – I'm an old-school Detroit guy. And sure. This is a union town, and it has been, and uh, there's a re- need for the unions, and there's obviously a need for the unions. It created the middle class. It created the 40-hour mm-hmm. work week. It just, that doesn't happen without union work, and otherwise we're all working at the at, – at the behest of the rich. So obviously there's a need for unions. There's a balance we have to strike. And to suggest that Biden is unaware is ridiculous. He I, I didn't say he wasn't thing. unaware. I do you think said it, he needed to be woken up. You said that he needed to be woken up. I, th- unaware, I don't so. think I said he needs to be woken up. I do think he needs to play a bigger role. I do believe. Well, that. he just and you just heard why he pulled back today, right? Because he thought negotiations were going well and he thought he would be a distraction with his team there. That's what was reported. So you know, unless you're not aware of what was reported, he's obviously involved in this. Yeah, but again, I, you have to remind sure. me. You'll have to remind me. What will Trump, as a Republican representative, have to say to a union member when his party turned this into a right to work state, which is an attempt to destroy unions? Well, St- Stephen, I think what Donald Trump is going to come in to say, he's going to come in and hammer EVs. He's going to come in and hammer the electrification, and he's going to come in and say this is all government mandated. The The way that the government is framing this is making it necessary for these companies to transition their portfolio to electrified vehicles. Otherwise, they'll be dead. And so that's what he's going to harp on. And if you look at the polling done in, in the UAW, about half of the members don't support the, the transition. Why? Well, you can name a couple of reasons. Namely, there will be less union workers working on electric vehicles and these EV battery plants aren't aren't yet. It's not set in stone that they're going to be union representation and union workers there. So there's a there's a you, you want to talk about what the union thinks and what the union thinks is good for them. There's a, a, a huge swath, if not a, almost the majority of people that don't like the way that this is trending based on what the federal government, namely Joe Biden, is doing on that front. So I, I, I think that's the issue. 800-859-0957. Can I get one more in here real quick? Okay, one more in. Uh, let's go to Dave in Shelby Township. Hey, Dave. Hey, how are you doing today? Good. I'm an electrician for, uh, for Stellantis. I've been there for 39 years. Okay. Like I said, I'm getting ready to retire here within the next six to seven months. Good for you. 
Good you for know, you, it's just like I want to get out, but I mean, I just like I I see where he's going, but I mean, you shoot for the moon and you and you pull back, but I mean, you know, the the latest offer that they turned down was twenty one percent. That's pretty pretty nice offer. It's pretty you know? good. It's like, uh, you know, you got to watch, you got to play your cards correctly because you can really get burned here. You know, uh, you know, let's face it, CTC, which is the world headquarters out there, Auburn Hills, mm-hmm. that's slated to close. Everybody's working from home. They yeah. got that great big facility. Stellantis is not going to keep that. They're going to get rid of it, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, you know? I, uh, I'm i not going to say what plant I work at, but, uh, you know, I want my my fellow workers, you know, to have a nice chunk of the pie too, you know? Mm-hmm. But but you can't, you know, I mean. You just got to be careful. You're not, you're not going to you're not gonna get pensions, okay? Forget yeah. the pensions. Pensions off the table. I'd rather, I'd rather see them go after, like, hey, you know what? Instead of matching you 3%, we'll match you 5% on your 401k, something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Something where, you know, that you put in and we'll put 5% in. Well, you know, that's that's, that's pretty good if you're, if you're a new hire, you know. And I understand the tier and people get mad because the same person that's working next to the person on the sure. line is making less, you know. Yeah. And then I understand the, uh, you know, people take that offensively. I, I, no, there's no doubt I get it. Dave, enjoy the next six months and then get to, get to retirement, will you? Well, that's I good will. stuff. All right, Dave. Thank you, man. Got to take a break. We're talking Lions next on JR Afternoon. You know, I was moving on from that game. And uh, here comes Steve Courtney. And that beautiful face ah. just comes strolling in. Hello, I got to relive it all over again. Hello. Hi, friend. Yeah, very disappointing uh, way to start the home part of your schedule. For the Honolulu Blue and Silver. All right, I want you to take care of some business, but I want to talk about one of the more pressing needs on this football team going forward. All right. Uh, This conversation with young Chris brought to you by the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Whether you're into the Honolulu Blue and Silver, the Green and White, the Maize and Blue, Motor City football is back. Performance Remodeling invites you to get in the game with their $100,000 window of opportunity sweepstakes. Log into windowsroofingsiding.com for a chance to win Performance Remodeling's $100,000 window of opportunity sweepstakes. All right, so James Houston out for for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got now David Montgomery out, C.J. Gardner-Johnson out multiple weeks, maybe the the rest of the year for for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Is this team going to be able to field a competitive team? I mean, these are some of your biggest pieces that you're now losing from at least multiple weeks. Yeah, and... Uh, Injuries are a problem on this team now. You know, as far as C.J. Gardner-Johnson goes, uh, from a medical standpoint, the typical, and I'm saying typical, recovery time for a torn pectoral muscle is three to four months. There have been players who have come back quicker. It, it all depends on how severe, severe the rehab. Uh, tear yeah. is. Uh, meanwhile, Tracy Walker, dude's been around this organization for the last five years, uh, had himself probably his best year going back to 2021 under Dan Campbell. That was his first year. Then he uh, tore his Achilles. Achilles, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if he starts, and I think he will, against the uh, 2-0 and Falcons on Sunday, uh, it will be one day shy of one year since his injury. Um, I-, I think we're all in agreement here. Um, under defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, I was expecting a hell of a lot more from the Lions defensively, uh, and we didn't see it. As a matter of fact, you have one sack, and that's only because Geno Smith completely forgot where he was on the field. <laughs> and 
Alex Anzalone uh, said, okay, thank you very much for the 17-yard loss. But uh, one sack in two games. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of question marks about this club. Geno Smith channeling, you know, somebody on my five-year-old soccer team uh, kicking the ball the wrong way. Like, it just, I don't know where he, what he thought he was doing. But, I, I, you know, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown banged up. He's got a toe injury. Came back in. Yeah, he did. He did. But, but uh, Taylor Decker has an issue. I mean, Frank Ragnow has been playing with an injured toe for, it seems like, years. Yeah, Big V. Um, Big V Didn't out. look good. Uh, I just, uh, all of the hope. That we had for this team, I, I don't know that it's it's off the books because I think you you see what they did at the end of last year with lesser talent, but you're gonna the the depth of this team I think is going to be put on display and you're gonna really see what kind of organization you got right now. Well, I'm sure that's what Dan Campbell's preaching during his practice week is next man up that whole mentality, um, but you know it was uh, just very disappointing because Fort Field. Looked like it was absolutely electric yeah. in anticipation yeah. of this. And so uh, keep in mind, you're a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Falcons in just a few days. But Atlanta's coming in 2-0 and oh, uh, with a boatload of confidence. Atlanta stinks. Hi, Ken Brown. Hello, gentlemen. But let me ask you, uh, fellows, this collectively, yeah. if I may. Must win for the Lions Sunday? Ooh, yes. And we're talking game three here. Yes. I I, I believe it is. It's not. I mean, technically, well, it's, it's where not. you want to be. But yeah, I, you you got it. I think. I think. I think you let one slip away against Seattle, and I think you got to stop the bleeding. And that's I, a tough task when you, you got a bunch of people hurt. But yeah. it's not a must win. It's no, a, it's. I like to win. You're not like you should win. Right? You should it's, win. It's a must win. I know that it's only the third game of the deal, but you cannot getting to where you want to be. Lose the first two home games. If you lose schedule. the first two home games and won ten games in a row, and you're ten and two or eleven and two, it's a big. Then is it a must? I'm just saying this is happening, so it can't be a must win. Yeah, again, technically it's not, but right. I think from a morale standpoint, I think from from this team, it could lead to bad things if you lose. Yes, but it's not a must. But it's a I like to. I'd okay. like to win. Semantics. Hey, at least you're not guy. Chicago. You heard of the Chicago thing that's happening right now, right? No, what's happening with Chicago? The defensive coordinator's house was raided by the FBI Sunday night. They won't say if he's um, still on the team. They raided Hallis Hall, I guess, yesterday or whatever, or Monday, and nobody's saying what it's about. Is this, like, just breaking? Uh, yeah, it's breaking in the last couple of hours. And um, the D.C.'s Allen Williams. And on top of that, Justin Fields goes to the press conference earlier today and says, uh, why, they asked him, why are you playing so robotic? He said, uh, coaching. And he well, had to come back and clean been, it up. Yeah, he's you know, been throwing long, his coaching staff coaching, the bus. How long coaching. has the Bears been the most, well, one of the most dysfunctional organizations in sport? This has been going on for a long time. And now you're bringing the FBI into it? I, I, I want to know what he did. I, I, nobody said anything well, right now. Well, if the FBI's involved, you know, it wasn't jaywalking. Right, I, 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 I just searched this. Mm-hmm. I searched Chicago Bears mm-hmm. raid. Mm-hmm. I'm not really seeing much. Um, the Chicago Reporter's Twitter. Check his Twitter out there. Okay, Reporter. I'll have to check. Yeah, I, I would not bring you the false no, info. No, I just, I haven't, I don't. I'm, I'm giving you hot off the press Bill here. Bill Zimmerman? No, his name is Alan Williams. Okay. Defensive coordinator. I'll check that out in a minute. Yeah, please. Um, and they'll say they heard it first here on the Chris Winwick show. Yeah, okay, tremendous. What do we got going on uh, on the Mitch Album show? 
Well, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, Twitter. If you're going to, are you going to pay now for Twitter? Because evidently, he's going to start charging everybody. If I have Out. to, I'm going to have to. We're no, gonna, you know, don't do it, dude. Don't Why? Don't cave to that. I, I need Twitter. I need Twitter to do my job. Well, that's another maybe, problem. Maybe, maybe that's the another company, problem. Maybe the, the company will, will we'll pay We'll have to for address it. that problem after we'll the show. We'll have them pay for it. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about full body MRIs. Are okay. they necessary forever? Do you really need them? We're going to have reviews of the iPhone 15 and 15A. Did you get one? I got a 12, man. I'm barely, I'm barely, hang, I'm barely hanging in with the, do, with the iPhones now. Do, do you have and to my use daughter a, gave me that one. Did you have one. to use a stone and a hammer I, to call you, people? My daughter gave me that one. <laughs> so. He still weeps openly when he thinks back about his flip phone. So Anyway, we've got a lot of excitement coming up. All right, good. A lot of excitement. Mitch Allman, the crew coming up next. Steve Courtney, Ken Brown, the whole crew. Don't go anywhere. That's going to do it for us today. We'll catch you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have yourself a wonderful rest of the day.